This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, a podcast designed to help equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and be confident in their faith. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today on Christ, Culture, and Coffee. I'm Robbie Lashua, and I'm here with my co-host, Tyler Hurley. What's up, Tyler? What is up, Robbie? Hey, we are super excited to be back with you guys this week on Christ, Culture, and Coffee. Uh, We have a very special guest with us today, Brandon Ray, uh, who is a part of Inkledoo, a coffee roastery podcast that is working to foster meaningful conversation by providing delicious beverages. And now we, we've had them on before in the past. And we've, well, we've never had Brandon. Brandon, we've yes. We've had, had we've had JJ. That is so correct. Uh, yeah, but we've collaborated with them. Yeah. They're just super cool guys. And we are super excited for this interview here with Brandon. Uh, just super cool uh, to have you on the show today. So thank you for joining us. Thank you. No, I'm I'm excited. I, I don't – usually AJ is the one that goes out there and talks to everybody. Right. So it's kind of fun for me to be out here and – they let me out every once in a while, out of the roastery every once in a while. <laughs> cool, cool. Well, hey, so uh, can you tell us a little bit about Inkledoo? Like, what what is it that you guys do? Like, what what is going on there? Yeah, so absolutely. Uh, reaching way back, the Inklings is really, uh, we, we say Tolkien and Lewis are our, kind of our patrons here. So they, they had their group, the Inklings, that met at Eagle and Child, the pub. Mm-hmm. You know, it's famous for their conversations, and that's where C.S. Lewis had his conversion through conversations with Tolkien. And so we're really looking to be the second iteration of that. And not necessarily of Tolkien and Lewis. I don't think we would reach to, to say that we, we're of that, that caliber <laughs> sure, there. Sure. But, but that situation to where they met at a pub, had meaningful conversations, and led to tangible results. That's what we're really looking to foster. So uh, Inkledoo right. is really kind of a mashup of words where it's the Inklings, which is our inspiration, and then do, which is – French for two, right? So the second generation of the Inklings, that's what we're we're trying to accomplish. And that's, it hits it on the head. Like we're trying mm. to foster those meaningful conversations mm. by providing delicious beverages. So we roast that's coffee. Uh, before everything shut down, we were actually doing little pop-ups where we could serve coffee. We've done, you know, the farmer's market, all these different kind of things where we're trying to, to get there with the ultimate goal being, a nice shop that you can come into, sit down around a, a craft beverage, have a good conversation with somebody, and and be better for it. Oh, that's See, awesome. You said you're not going to live up to C.S. Lewis and Tolkien, but they've never roasted coffee, man. No. And you do. And I've <laughs> had your coffee. It's really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. And I, I mean, I don't know. I've, I think I would prefer most cases having a coffee rather than a beer in a conversation with people. So I, I don't know. That's just me. Especially I think that's great. in England. Oh, right? in England. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, right? Sorry, all you English people who listen to this. Oh, <laughs> but it definitely that, what, depends on the conversation, yeah. too. Yeah. True. Yeah, right. True. But what a cool name. That is a really awesome concept of... Uh, really cool stuff that you guys are doing. Um, but with that, about co- coffee on the topic of that, we always ask our guests when we have them on the show about what their favorite coffee beverage is. So Brandon, what is your favorite coffee? And I, I'm actually curious, what is your favorite roast? Because you guys roast coffee. So I want to know, like, what is your favorite roast and what are you drinking right now? What's your favorite go-to beverage? So... I'm, I'm gonna. I'm holding back my coffee nerd, right? So I'll pull up. <laughs> hey, let it out. We, we welcome it here. It's okay, okay here. This yeah. is a safe so, place. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. uh, let's start with favorite roast. So my favorite roast is medium. I, I'm not too big on the light roast, just because it tends to have a, a little bit too much acidity. There's some weird flavors in light roasts. Yeah. I've had mm. like a tomato flavored coffee that oh, I did not goodness. enjoy at all. <laughs> 
Uh, and then I don't like dark roasts either because that's where you tend to get the bitterness. You you get that roast flavor and you lose a lot of the, the nuance that's in the bean. Okay. Now, my favorite coffee, which is what we tend to do, it's kind of our foundation, our our flagship, if you will, is our fifth love coffee. And it's a it's a coffee with a solid chocolate base and then with like a citrus acidity to it to kind of brighten it up and cleanse the palate. Uh, I found that my favorite and where we do the best is from Colombia. So usually okay. a Colombian cool. coffee that okay. holds that flavor profile and just Colombians because there's a, it's a mountainous region. So they have higher elevations. It handles heat better. Hmm. It matches my roasting style better. So just a, a Colombian with the chocolate base, the citrus acidity, I can drink it all day, every day. Yeah, I never oh, yeah. get tired of it. It's my favorite. That sounds great. Yeah, that sounds amazing, <laughs> man. Um, I've actually I went to Colombia once and they had coffee down there. But I'm telling you, I think yours is better. That. That's awesome. I've had yours too. And I, I do like yours better. It might have been because it was like 90 degrees and like 100% humidity, and I was drinking hot coffee outside. That does. But, that doesn't yeah. impact the yeah the impression for of sure. Of course it does. it does. Yeah, that's true. Well, let's get into uh, kind of talking today uh, about. Um, being Christians and how we're different from each other. Because I think this is cool. Like you sent me an email a while ago, kind of listening out what you wanted to talk about. And I was thinking through it. And man, I really liked this idea. Um, so often within Christianity, it's easy for us to forget that all of us aren't the same. And I know that sounds weird, but it's true, right? Yeah, we all have yeah. preferences and we all have, this is you know my gifting or what I'm passionate about. And the truth of it is we're not all the same. Um, but sometimes, and I, I don't know about you guys, but I, I've fallen into this trap. It's easy to fall into the idea that, you know, whatever my passions are or my spiritual giftings are, um, other people need to be all about that too. Right. And if they're not, they're not serving the Lord. Um, and, and again, I think it's over passion maybe, but we got to temper yeah. that and, and think about, no, listen, we're not all the same. And scripture talks about this, talks about us being the body of Christ. We're not mm -hmm. all exactly the same. Now, there obviously are things that all believers are supposed to do or commanded to do, be holy, uh, abide in Christ, make disciples, evangelize, but we don't all have to do them in the exact same way. And I think that that gets lost sometimes and there's um, not enough grace with each other when it comes to this, not having to always mm. do it the same way. And so Tyler, you've got that passage from 1 yeah. Corinthians about being the body. Could you read that for us? Yeah, of course. I'm going to read that. So it's uh, again, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 15 through 20. It says, if the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body. It is not for this reason, any the less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. Mm -hmm. If we, uh, sorry, if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were, were for hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, there are many members, not, sorry, many members, but one body. That is the thing. So, so it is very interesting, right? Because the idea we're getting here is different forms of evangelism. That's what we're going to be talking about today. So when it comes to our spiritual giftings, if we all were the same, right, as Robbie was just saying, mm -hmm. we would not be able to function as a body, just as the passage is saying, like the whole body cannot be made up of an eye or an ear, right? Yeah. Like he's trying to paint this picture, right? 
Um, yeah, so on our show, yeah. like, obviously, is about apologetics. It's exactly. Like, both of us really like it. Both of us like to study it. Both of us like everybody to know about it. Um, and even here at the church, you know, teaching apologetics, like, um, I came to the point of, know, of, of realizing, listen, apologetics is vital for us as the Christian community. Yeah. But it's not going to be every single person in my church's passion. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. And that's right. okay. And so uh, you, you were telling me a little bit about this uh, in our correspondence. But get into like how apologetics works for you and um, the importance it's played in your life, but also kind of who you are and who God's made you to be in the body of Christ. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, actually, just to jump into a story really quick and pull it back through is yeah. – uh, it makes me think of when I, I studied at GCU for a little while and I was on a ministry scholarship. And so I was in the ministry office and I was talking to one of the girls and, and telling her about this Christian heavy metal concert that I was at the night before. Mm-hmm. And I got who was to look the band? at Name the band. Yeah, who was the band? Oh, it, it was. Oh, if you don't remember, that's Project, okay. 80, Project 86 and Living Sacrifice. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know those yeah, I do too. <laughs> it, it was, so it was back in the day. I'm <laughs> dating myself there a little bit, but. Uh, I was telling her about it and I got the response of, well, that sounds nice, but I like concerts like third day where the spirit of God is. Okay. And I was like, Oh, okay. I was like, well, (laughs) I'm used to it because you know, from the, that scene, right. The heavy metal scene, not everybody views it the same way. And it was something that was embraced very much in that scene. But you know, like I felt the spirit of God there in so many different ways. It just looked very different. And, and so that's where I started to correlate where, you know, our expression of it is very different. And mm-hmm. apologetics has helped me with that. And it's helped me realize the difference between my personal expression, like, for example, my music taste versus theology, mm. right? And your personal expression is not your theology. Just because you look the same doesn't mean you have to think the same or believe, not necessarily believe the same, but it, it's, it's separate, yeah. right? And so there is reason behind our theology and that doesn't necessarily mean that you wear slacks and a blue button-up shirt Mm -hmm. you know you can wear different things you can look different ways because the theology the apology everything that works out over here is different than over here yeah if that makes sense oh absolutely yeah so when it comes to like uh, apologetics like in your life like what do you primarily use apologetics for for me, apologetics was purely self-edification. Mm. I I am not very – like I'm actually not even that articulate as I'm struggling with my words here. <laughs> but actually between the two of us, AJ is the one who's super smart and super articulate, and that's never been my strong suit. And so I'm never I, – I engage people no matter what. I, I'm not afraid to engage in any situation. I – find myself constantly surrounded with atheists and I get picked on a lot and that's okay. It's part of, it's part of the life, you know, it's where my road leads. So that's where I go. But where it's really helped me is that when I'm, for lack of a better word, when I'm picked on by these people, it's helped create in me a solid foundation that, that I could stand on. Mm -hmm. Right. So I, I knew these things, like I knew Christ, I knew that it was true Right. But I couldn't necessarily express why. And and so I had a teacher in in school who told me, you know, we experience more than we know and we know more than we can explain. Mm. Right. And and so what apologetics did is it helped me take some of the things that I had experienced and move it into the things that I know and some of the things that I know 
into the things that I can explain. Mm. And so by being able to do that, it's just helped solidify my experience with reason and theology and all of those things. And so then I added kind of validation up into my experience and back and forth. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Well, I really think that apologetics is twofold, right? I think that the primary function of it is to build up and edify Christians to know why they believe what they believe. Um, because, mm-hmm. you know, as you know, so many people are walking away from the faith when they get into college, and um, they need to know solid reasoning and evidence for what they believe and why they believe it, or they're just going to get blown to and fro by every wind of doctrine, like Scripture says. Um, but the second aspect of it is some people – now this is – and again, it pains me to say this because I wish everybody <laughs> just wanted to sit out around and nerd out over theology and <laughs> apologetics. It's just not true. But some people really do want to understand the intellectual parts of a person's faith. And so mm-hmm. and that, so that gets into like um, even evangelism strategies. And so I was thinking through this. A long time ago I heard um, – Lee Strobel and Mark Middleberg, and they kind of had this uh, uh, case they made for different forms of evangelism in scripture. And I thought it was really interesting, and I think it'll aid our conversation. So Mm -hmm. there's a few different ones, and we don't want to belabor it, but the, the first type is the one everyone always thinks of when they're sharing their faith and it's direct, right? It's being the guy out on the street corner with a bullhorn preaching at (laughs) Mill Avenue, you know, that's kind of a thing. And dude, I... I don't like that at all. <laughs> I've, I've done it. I've had to do it. Like we went, to, I was in a church camp and there was uh-huh. one of the classes was direct evangelism. Okay. And so they, they taught us the road to Romans or the road yep. through Romans, whatever it is. And then put us on a bus and we went to this little town square and we were supposed to go talk to people. Yeah. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not good at that. I, I can't even start up direct conversation in regular yeah. everyday just over just Let over alone. a normal conversation right yeah that, that, that's me too like i i'm with you there like i was single for a long time because i can't just walk up and start a conversation so sure. well and see and that's i'm with you on that like that that if if that mm-hmm. was what evangelism is i don't want to do it Right? right, but it's yeah. not what it is. It's a form of what it is, and there's biblical precedent for it. Like Peter in Acts two yes. stands up and he open air preaches, and it's awesome. And and I don't know yeah. about you, Brandon, but I know guys who are great at this. I do too. Yeah, but yeah. I'm not one of them. <laughs> right. right. The the second type of evangelism is the one that I like. It's the intellectual evangelism. It's the having mm-hmm. conversations over a long period mm-hmm. of time. I've been meeting with this new group of um, Mormon LDS elders, you know, mm-hmm. in my neighborhood, and they come in and I set up appointments. I think I've had like five meetings with them, and it's great because we're talking about intellectual things and the Book of Mormon and Scripture for a long period of time. And we see, you know, um, Paul does this in in Acts 17 at Mars Hill. He goes and he talks with the Epicureans uh, about philosophy, and he's he's evangelizing with them on their level. And so that's yeah. what that's the one that I love to do, and I think that I'm gifted at. But I, I have to remind myself all the time that everybody— isn't gifted at it and and, and everybody uh doesn't love it <laughs> like right. i do and that's why we're a body because we have different strengths we have different right. strengths right of right. course and then too with that there's even um testimonial right there's mm-hmm. a testimonial aspect of evangelism which is where uh it, it works like like all these methods work and that's the interesting thing about this and then yeah. with uh like you see in john 9 right the blind man who was healed by jesus Uh, He's taken on trial before the Jewish leaders, and he basically says, he's like, "Uh, I don't know how this happened, but I was blind from birth. Now I can see. Jesus did it. 
deal with it. Like that's yeah. it. So, uh, and that's the thing. Uh, and a lot of people, that's what, uh, that's a way that they like to evangelize. It's by having conversations with people who they know and then saying, look, Jesus changed my life. And well, this is people, what happened. Some people are dramatic about it. Sure. Like having, I mean, we've all heard yeah. these stories about, I was a meth addict and I was almost yeah. about to yeah. die. And then Jesus <laughs> came into my life and I didn't want to do yes. meth anymore. And yeah. it's like, that's awesome. Well, uh, yeah. That didn't happen to right. me. Yeah, though. that didn't happen to me either. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. For, and there's a lot of Christians out there that like, maybe you don't have that, uh, care that, dynamic I would say yeah. of a testimony right. and it's like hey you just grew up in the church and you had a Christian home Christian parents and yeah. this is like what you grew up in you didn't come from a life of drugs and addiction or anything like that that turned around and that's okay but for some people who have this that's a great way to evangelize because yeah, you can use that yeah. to the benefit of the Lord and so uh, testimonial is a fantastic method of evangelism and with that uh, you even have an Another method like uh, interpersonal, right? Interpersonal evangelism. Uh, Luke 5.29, uh, Matthew has a big party at his house in order to reach out to his tax collector friends. And he invited Jesus, right? Uh, and Jesus defends the party by telling the religious leaders that it is the sick who need a doctor, not the well, right? So uh, this style of evangelism works through friendships and relationships. Like yeah. it, it's like going to, you know, like hanging out with the, the wrong crowd as a lot of people would say, but you're in there, you're hanging out with them because they're in need of good influence and someone who can talk to them about scripture and like well you, that's why you got to yeah. open up your coffee shop so we can do <laughs> exactly. this at that's your coffee right. shop bro right. Right? absolutely absolutely <laughs> yeah that's a good 100%. example that's well that's uh -huh. what that's no, what tolkien was doing with lewis yes right absolutely yeah, yeah that's, and that's interpersonal right. i think is is a big deal right now too because mm -hmm. i think culture is also pushing us to extremes but extreme caricatures mm -hmm. so not yeah. like extreme care like the mall, you know, like the big forehead and long neck, you know, the caricatures. Mm -hmm. So when you say you're a Christian, somebody takes you and swings you all the way over into that extreme caricature of yeah, what they right. what they think a Christian is. And it's not until you're sitting down with somebody and you do actually drink a glass of wine or, or something. They're like, oh, you you can do that. Be like, yes, yes, I can do that. I, I'm a human being. And, and there's all of these things that's part of my human experience and, you know, they don't realize that because they think that you have to be the, you know, the marching Christian or the, or the, you know, all the different types of versions that they have in their mm -hmm. mind. So that interpersonal one is the one right. that helps us break down barriers because they see you as a normal person. Yeah, that absolutely that's, is. And, and that's when you hear people say like, oh, well, you're not like those Christians. Yeah, yeah. That's and you think, <laughs> who, who are those Christians? Because I know a lot right. of them. And that character you have in your mind is not who who I know they are. Yeah. Maybe there's some out there like sure. that. Not yeah. the ones I hang out with, but no, right. you're right. It breaks yeah. down barriers. Exactly. Yeah, it, it absolutely does. And then uh, not only that, like there's um, another one to touch on too is uh, invitational evangelism, right? Because mm. uh, this can be something that also goes hand in hand. Like you can com combine and mix and match all these methods, honestly. But um, what's interesting is with invitational evangelism, it works in the essence of like like bringing people to Jesus in the way of just telling them, hey, why don't you come to church with me or come hear what Jesus said? Yeah. Like uh, in John 4, right? The woman Maybe the even go to a living sacrifice concert with you. <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, it could work. That's a good way. You'll be I, so surprised I know. that the majority of those people are Christian when you're walking yeah. around. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I, that's the truth. 
like, yeah, like the example in uh, John 4, I was going to say it with the woman at the well. Mm-hmm. says, uh, right, come, come see a man who told me all the things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? And they went out of the city and were coming to him. And that's John 4, 29 through 30. So see, like inviting people to experience Jesus is a method or inviting yeah. people to church or a concert, as we mentioned, yeah, or, a, or even, even a, a Christian movie. If yeah, you even the, even the cheesy right? <laughs> Christian movies that are out there that aren't always the best produced, you know. <laughs> but that's the factor, right? Inviting people in that works. Like it's something that is successful, and it's another method of evangelism. And that some can be people done. Yeah. I know are great at that. Yes. Like I yeah, always feel yeah. like a used car salesman when I have to invite people to church. And I know that mm. sounds bizarre because I work at a church. Well, it's because it sounds like a, you're trying a, to sell something. Yeah, them, right? it's a yeah. problem with me. It's not a problem with the Lord. Right. Yeah, me. yeah, of course. But I always feel like I'm I'm negotiating. I, I hate that. <laughs> but some people are phenomenal at it. Yeah, they, and they yeah. can just invite people, and they're yeah, I'll be. But there. that's kind of like the the philosophy philosophy of like uh, the harvest crusades like you know what those Mm -hmm. are so it's like they yeah you invite people to come to it and then they hear the gospel at the event and it's like Mm -hmm. and that that's kind of the idea of it and so uh, that's a very successful form of evangelism though i know lots of people who have either been saved through that or have helped walk people to the gospel and all of these are different and and effective. That's the Absolutely. thing that we want to emphasize. And then the last one that, that Mark Middleberg and uh, Lee Strobel talk about is serving evangelism, right? Just serving mm-hmm. your community. And they, they point to Tabitha from Acts 9, and she made people close, and she was just such a such a pillar in her community because she served them so well that when she died, everybody was devastated because she made an impact on their life. And then she gets raised from the dead and all these people come to know the Lord because she Mm -hmm. served them, right? Serving and being hospitable and kind and merciful. That is another aspect of evangelism. And so with all these, Brandon, like kind of where do you think your strengths are? What's the kind of way God made you to be in the body with these different temperaments and giftings? Right, yeah, so I'm definitely in the, the serving camp. So... You know, like I've said, I'm, I'm I enjoy apologetics, but I'm not particularly good at it, right? I'm not super sharp. I'm, I'm direct evangelism is not going to be me. I'm very non-confrontational, so you know, a lot of these things are are just it's very hard for me. But serving is something that that's very natural for me, and for me, it's specifically food, serving food. Okay. So if you think about it, right, like grandma's cooking or home cooking, why do those terms have such impact on us it's because the person that made that food and served it to you it was basically a a love offering Mm. that they were bringing to you and that loved the way that it served even though if you weren't conscious of it it changed the dynamic of the meal Hmm. yeah and so you have this impression that you accepted a love offering and so for me food is something where i can i can get my hands into it i can craft i can just pour my whole heart into something and then give it to somebody to help lift them up. Mm. And, and that is just, it energizes me. So I know that I'm doing the right thing because regardless of the amount of work, you know, roasting coffee, for example, I'm up at four 30 in the morning because of, you know, temperature, the time, all of these different things that you got to do, but it doesn't exhaust me. Mm. You know, like if I were to be out there on the side of the street saying, you know, Hey, excuse me, sir. Oh, oh, hey, excuse me. You know, <laughs> sure. by yeah, the end of the yeah. day, I would be shot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'd be shot for a couple of days, but serving food, no matter how hard it is, I continually am refilled with it. Yeah. And so that's kind of how I knew that, that it's the right spot for me. And that's your passion, right? 
It, yeah, it is. It really is. Would and you say it energizes you to 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 serve the Lord in that way? Yes. Yeah. That's the that's the only way that I've been able to to find my way into evangelism. Mm-hmm. I because like I said, I've I've tried all of these different methods and I've never successfully done anything. Like I I can honestly say to my record, I have never successfully led somebody to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, like brought them in and reasoned with them, said a prayer sure. out the door. They went as a Christian. I've never done that. Yeah. And and it wasn't until much later that I looked back and saw that I somebody had pointed out to me that I had had an impact on on these people around me. I was like, what are you talking about? I've never I've never done anything like that. Mm-hmm. And then I sat in retrospect and be like, oh, my goodness, I I have. But it wasn't because I was in, trying to make an impact on them. It was just that serving and loving people made an impact on them. Hmm. Uh, so one of my favorite stories is back when I, I did, I worked at the big green monster. That's what we call it here. <laughs> and, uh, I, that's where I got started with coffee. I loved it. I love the relationships I, I was building the impact I could have on somebody's day. Like I could take somebody who was miserable at six o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. send them out the door, optimistic and excited like that that's something that we were able to do through service and and crafting something that they thoroughly enjoyed and that they they knew was going to be good coming from me yeah so i i love the coffee shop but where I, I could have some impact on my customers but where i really had a lot of impact were the people that i as a supervisor the people that i served were the employees mm-hmm. so i had one coworker. she uh she was homeless at the time and she came to me in confidence and asked me something. And, and so I was, uh, at the time I was working, you know, two jobs, going to school. So I was at Starbucks in the evening. Okay. In the evening, we always had to take the the old food and just throw it away. So at the end of the night, we were just throwing away tons and tons of food. And so my coworker, she comes up to me in confidence and says, hey, I'm sleeping on my friend's couch. I haven't eaten today. Uh would you mind if I took, you know, if I dug a sandwich out of the garbage mm-hmm. so I could have half for dinner tonight and half for breakfast in the morning? Oh, and that, that was technically like a fireable offense. Really? There. Okay. It was. So it was completely not allowed. And, uh, you know, I looked at her and I was confused because it didn't make sense to me. I, I like, she didn't have to come to me. Like, so I was just like, yeah, open your bag. And I just filled her up. And then from then on, knowing her situation, you know, I could check on and be like, Hey, have you, have you eaten? Mm-hmm. You know, like here's some stuff, like I need to make sure that you're taken care yeah. of. And so it was just a way that I could serve her and love her. Was I breaking a rule? Sure. Uh, I don't, I think when I, when I look, you know, when I get to God, I don't know that that's going to be on my, my checklist. I, I, <laughs> I don't I'm, I'm, so. pretty, I'm pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I'm okay. Breaking that rule to be yeah. honest with you. Yeah. Um, and and I know that I had an impact on her life because I, I remember because I did I got fired. Uh, in all honesty, being a Christian male doesn't necessarily jive with that specific corporate culture. Well, and did you get fired because of that, or was there other factors you know, too? So, okay. if, if I'm going into the long show, so <laughs> that was what put me at odds, and so I was okay. I was automatic. I was in a losing battle, and I tried. And then as soon as I knew that the writing was on the wall, you know, it, it was what it was. And, yeah. you know, I'll take some responsibility on it. But for sure, we had a manager that was that was gunning for us. And it OK, is what is what it was. Yeah. Um, but when I got walked out, she was there and she was like, 
what? And then I kind of, you know, gave her the wave, you know, bye, because yeah. I, I wasn't allowed back in. And uh, she just crumples just to the ground, weeping oh. uh, over it. And I was like, huh, why would you do that? You know, because, again, I don't pay attention to what I'm doing this stuff. I'm just taking care of somebody. She was a girl in need, and so I was trying to make sure she was taken care of. Yeah. And it had a huge impact. I've never had anybody weep when I left before. And so that is stuck in my memory uh, forever. Yeah, that is awesome. I've had people weep when I showed up, but not when I left. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's true. But that's that's powerful, right? I mean, because when you do serve people like that and you make a huge impression on them, I mean, that's like a Tabitha type story, right? That when you were removed from her sphere of influence, when you were taken out of the environment she was in, she's devastated because of the way you cared for and served and loved her. That is awesome. Right. And, And Service for me, too, it's also kind of what opens the doors for the other ones, for the previous ones, Mm -hmm. right? So through service, you know, why do we always say, you know, there's the the archetype of like the bartender and the people spilling their life story to bartenders? Why is, you know, sure, alcohol starts people talking, but really there's a service. When you serve somebody something, it opens a door, it opens a a path and it's a two-way street. Mm -hmm. And so there's lots of conversations. So it allows me to have meaningful conversations. It allows me to share my testimony in a natural way that's not not pushing. It, it just opens the door and that that stuff floods yeah. or just it just right. flows through. And so you can tell your story and you can and you can explain how, yeah, I've been impacted and I'm willing to risk this because of that. And and so if they ask, why are you doing this? And be like, well, you know, that's that's what we as Christians do. Mm hmm. Well, and you know, I think that, the, like, what you're saying is so important, especially for our audience, because <clears throat> people who listen to our show like apologetics, obviously, right? And they want to live for the Lord. But <clears throat> one of the dangers of apologetics, and I think we had a show called that a while ago. We did, yeah. Is that yeah. you can get so caught up in the intellect that you're completely unaware of the person. Yeah. And that yeah. is such a danger to it. And so, like, I, some of the most ineffective apologists that I know are brilliant, a hundred right. times smarter than than most everybody else, but they're uncaring because all mm-hmm. that they think about yeah. is yeah. arguments. Yes. And so yes. it's that old axiom, right? People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You, yeah. Ha- yeah. you have to love yeah. people and earn the right to be heard. And so I, I right. totally agree, man. You're right. Like that opens the door to a relationship right. and being able to share with them the love of Jesus. That's awesome. Yeah. For us, Inkle do actually, we, it's part of what we've written into our, our documents is uh, love and challenge is one mm-hmm. of our things, right? So you love first, then you challenge, right? So you have to build a relationship, but then once you built the relationship, you have to love them enough not to leave them where they're at. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so that's, that's always where we're doing everything that we do starts with love, but then it's also pushing it, right? You can't just stay in one spot. And that's kind of what apologetics was, is I was introduced to apologetics from somebody who loved me and cared about my faith. Mm -hmm. And so they pushed me and they challenged me in these ways. And I think that's important, but it it started with a firm foundation of love. Yeah. Cause you wouldn't have accepted it unless you knew that they cared about you. Right. And that's because it was hard work too. 
Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's the proper order, though. Is like, yeah, you have to love people first. You have mm-hmm. to love people first. And I know I've seen people just challenge others or push back, and that's when you get the character made of you, right? That's when yeah, they go, yeah. "Oh, you're just like one of those Westboro yeah. Baptists. You're just like those crazy yes. fundamentalists." And that's what we right. want to avoid. But I do also like how you said that you love them and then you challenge them. Um, Because I've seen the other side of this where people say, listen, my job is not to share about Jesus. My job is just to be nice. And um, I go, I don't – I want to push back on that because we should be nice. But that's not our only job. We also are supposed to talk about the Lord, right, after we earn the right and after we develop a relationship. But I just know some people who are, well, I never really want to get around to it. And it's like, well – but that's part of what we're supposed to do here. That's that's one of the non-negotiables. We all have different giftings, yeah. but one thing that all Christians are supposed to do is uh, be a testimony for Jesus. And so I like that you guys have that. It's love and then challenge. Yeah, that is, yeah. That's an awesome right. axiom. I love it. And as a father, in all honesty, this is where we build a lot. I've, I've learned more about my faith from being a dad mm-hmm. than, than anything. And I love my daughters more than anything in the world. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, the, <laughs> at the stages I'm in, the times in which I am nice seem few and far between anymore, <laughs> sure. you know, but, but that's because we're working through some things, but it, yeah. you know, love is such a dynamic, meaningful word. It's not just a impression that somebody gets, you know, it's not just like a, a happy go lucky, like, I joked when I, again, in college, there was a book we read that about agape love, and they basically tried to take the entire complexity of a Christian worldview and, and push it into one word of agape love. Wow. And and I I made fun of it in my class, and my teacher didn't appreciate it. But, you know, it's like we're trying to make it, <laughs> right. you know, where Christianity is, you know, skipping in rainbows and bunnies, sure. and that's that's not what it is. No. It's, it's love. There's love, love, love throughout, but love is hard. And if you've been, you know, in a marriage relationship or with uh, children, that love is there and it's permanent, Mm -hmm. but it's hard. And there's lots of challenges back and forth. Dude, you're so right. Well, love was hard for Jesus, right? Yeah. To show Mm -hmm. us he loved us, that looked pretty hard. I mean, (laughs) it is. Because there's sacrifice (laughs) involved, right? And there's Mm -hmm. caring about the other person more than you care about yourself. And that does not come natural to any of us. It's so difficult. But no, you're totally right, man. That is, that's, (laughs) that's awesome. I don't. Why didn't your professor show you agape love when you were ticking him off? That's <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, that's he actually handled it. Like yeah. I was, I was a, I was an eighteen-year-old kid in that class for sure, and he he handled it with grace. He, okay, well, he cool. actually just kind of like, well, that was a very nice report, and he just kind of like took over <laughs> and presented, he represented the book, and I okay. was like. Okay, I, I got my joke in. I was, yeah. I was good. Whatever. I still want to get a good grade, though. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, this has been so much fun, man. So what are some things you would say for those out there who are, are more like you are and have more of a serving type of gifting? How would you, mm-hmm. you challenge them to live for the Lord better, use their giftings better, mm-hmm. and just to know and be encouraged that how yeah. God made them is intentional and it's not like a oh well you're not out on the street corner with you know a bullhorn yelling at right. people. How, right. how would you encourage people just to to settle into kind of where you you've you've become comfortable with who you are? Right. Yeah. I would say that other people winning is your win, mm. if that makes sense. So from somebody who serves 
I, I'm also an introvert. Okay, so like I am not one who likes to be in the light. I'm somebody, if you were a number one somewhere, you were the head honcho, you would want me as number two. Okay. Right? Because I'm going to sir I'm gonna make everything work and I'm not going to take any of the the light. Hmm. You know, the limelight away type yeah. of a thing. I don't I don't want that. I, I don't serve because I need attention. And I think that's what a lot of what well, culture, you know, our celebrity culture kind of says that if you are doing the right thing, then you're getting publicity for it or you're getting, sure. uh, you know, a thousand likes on your Instagram post or, or whatever that looks like. But that that's not it. Lifting somebody up and just acknowledging that what you feel inside, the benefit from lifting somebody up, whether they come back and say thank you or not, doesn't matter. Hmm. Right. Doing good for the sake of doing good. You know, God pours into us so that we can pour into others. It, it's yeah. a kind of a flowing fountain. So you don't got to worry about the reciprocating of the of the relationship. Okay, they're not going to fill you up. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for that person to to fill you up, you're going to be empty. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you we serve and we give and God pours, mm-hmm. and we just let Him continue to pour down and we continue to pour out, and you'll find that you're never empty when you're doing it that way. Mm-hmm. And so when we for those of us who serve, we just, just serve, just do it. Find the thing that you really, that you can really pour your heart into and then ask, how can I make somebody better with this thing? And for me, that's coffee in the way that I can do it. If you, if we ever get the pop-up back up, we'll bring you guys out and, and you'll watch me. I'm super awesome. nerdy, right? Like right. I do everything. It's timed. <laughs> I'm stirring. I've got it. There's a lot of craft that goes into this cup that when I serve it yeah. to you, like it's almost awkward. Cause I, I you know, I'm gonna be like, did he enjoy it? Did he not enjoy it? You know, but, but it's because I, I legitimately want you to be better for having drank that cup, mm-hmm. you know, and then while you're drinking that, I'm going to engage you and, and want you to be better as a person. So I'm pouring yeah. my love into this and giving you this love offering and then engaging you to help hopefully lift you up and help you be better. It's amazing that what, you know, a one degree difference can do, you know, a wave in the morning to somebody mm-hmm. that if that can change somebody's disposition, just one degree, that's yeah. going to make a big impact throughout the day. And so, you know, the hardest part is serving without necessarily knowing, seeing the fruit of it. Yeah. And that can be hard. And so you just have to rely right. and trust that God's going to do his thing and he's going to continue to Born to you so that you're not empty. When it goes back to the Sermon on the Mount, right, where, where Jesus says, listen, if you're, if you're fasting, if you're giving, <clears throat> if you're praying for public acknowledgement, you're doing it the wrong way. Right. Because God who sees in secret will reward you for that. And finding satisfaction in that and not having to Instagram every time I do something for Jesus, right, yes. <laughs> is what we're supposed to do. It's it's the way yes. that we are to live the Christian life. And so, dude, that is so well said. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, hey, how can people find out about what you guys are doing? How can people order coffee from you? Because they should. Yeah, of course. Because it's really <laughs> great. And so where can they find you guys? Yeah, so we're we're pretty we're both difficult and easy to find. So our name Inkledu, I N K L E D E U X, is hard to spell, but we are literally the only one with that name. <laughs> sure. So yeah. there there is no competition. So Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, the website Inkledu.com, It's all if you search that one word, you will find us there. And so on the web website, we do have uh, our bad coffee there. Uh, we used to have cold brew concentrate, but with the whole 
you know, current climate sure. right now. We're, we're kind of not selling the pre-brewed stuff right now. We sure. will hopefully soon again. Uh, and then once we're back to doing pop-ups, we'll put that on the event calendar on the website and everything. Right. We're most active on Instagram. So if you want to engage, we put little clips from our podcast because that's our meaningful conversation aspect. Uh, a lot of that's on Instagram. So we would love for you to jump on there, engage, say hi, love having conversations. Um, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll, put, we'll put a link to the website in our show notes just in case people can't spell it. I know it's, it's ridiculous. Like in hindsight, we probably should have done something easier, but it made us chuckle and we love the name too much. And we're like, we'll just deal with it. Dude, that's you know? so funny. Cause that's the same with us. Like we always look back and we're like, that's we should we have thought. put apologetics in the name. Cause yeah, nobody yeah. knows what we are. <laughs> yeah. They see it. They're like, wait, what is this about? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but that's all right. It's so uh, it's fine. But it's clever. You know, like you guys came up with a Absolutely. very clever name. It has it significance. There's meaning behind it. And so that's, that's cool. And you guys stuck with it. And so good for you there. Yeah, Uh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) Well, hey, Brandon, thanks so much for being with us today, man. We really appreciate you and what you guys are doing. Yeah, thank you. I want to encourage our listeners. Seriously, like I'm not, I'm not just saying this. You need to go buy a a pound of their coffee. It's Mm -hmm. really good. Yeah, I've had some of it as well. It's fantastic. Yeah, so so make Brandon (laughs) get up at 4.30 in the morning. (laughs) All right, let's make that that. our goal. (laughs) Let's get him up early and serve us. Yeah, let him serve you. It's your, you would be preventing his spiritual gift right you'll be holding that that back by not ordering his coffee so please do that Uh, because yeah they are super good at that so yeah well hey thanks everyone for being with us today on christ culture and coffee and we'll be back next week with another episode we'll see you then If you enjoyed the show and felt that this podcast was beneficial to you, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Also, if you become a Level 4 supporter on our Patreon page, you can get yourself one of our Stoneware, Christ Culture, and Coffee mugs, as well as a t-shirt and a sticker. We are available on all podcasting platforms, as well as YouTube, and we are also available on all social media platforms. Thanks so much for listening to Christ Culture and Coffee.